Behind the Shades. Kevin, good. Actually, I didn't even ask you the time. So good morning, <laughs> afternoon and evening where you are. How are things? I am living the dream. I am in EST as well. So it is the same time for me as it is for you. But I, I'm excited to chat. I appreciate you having me on, my friend. Perfect. Perfect. So I do appreciate you having here. I think in our green room, I saw a couple of tattoos there. Do they mean anything? Um, yeah. So <clears throat> when I was 16, I got the typical barbed wire tattoo. My mom took me to um, a place and I got a tattoo in somebody's basement. So that usually isn't the highest quality tattoo you can get. So I ended up covering that up with a rose coming through the pavement. And then it's hard to see this one, but I didn't know my dad. So I have a tattoo on my arm, kind of part of the sleeve where it's a young boy where he would be holding a man's hand, but it kind of disappears where the hands should connect. And that was just kind of a representation of I didn't know my dad. I didn't really meet my dad until I was 27. So the bond that I was supposed to have with him, I never did. And I wanted to, I don't want to say comm commemorate that, but I don't ever want to forget that. I think that's what's made me who I am today. And it's always important to remember that. I will say that's amazing because I grew up without my mother, and my father early on, and I have four tattoos. And sometimes what I thought about getting continuing it is that you realize how much of an impact that has on you, not knowing your parents. I don't know if it was like that for you, Kevin, but for me, it just seemed like I saw families everywhere I went. Is yeah. that the same experience for you? Yeah, it's interesting how... I was very blessed to have really good friends who had really good families. And it's like they always kind of wanted to adopt me into their family and we would have dinner over there and I'd stay over their house all the time. So I did get a family experience or I guess a maybe you'd say a normal, typical family experience from that. But yeah, I remember I remember it was first grade, second grade where you would go and the first day of school, you would go around the class and people would say, what is your mom do for work? What does your dad do for work? And I was like, I don't construction. My dad does construction. I don't know. I have no idea. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you, but I assume it's construction. So yeah, I definitely had a very similar experience with that. I was telling people something similar. I was telling everyone they're in management mm. and here years later, I'm in management. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have any kids, like really, you know, not that yeah, I'm yeah. repeating like the generational curse as they'll call it. Right. Of course, of course. Um, so before we get right into it, because I know you want to express and share a lot of your journey, like we just did, as well as help those who want to get into maybe this space that you and I are doing, or maybe just focus on life. So why don't you officially let everyone know who you are, where they can find you, and a little bit more positive news about yourself <laughs> when we started off there, right? I appreciate it. I appreciate it. My name is Kevin Palmieri. I am the CFO, the founder, and the host of Next Level University. It is a global top 100 podcast with 1,320-something episodes, listeners in 150-plus countries. And uh, it's what we do every day. We do an episode every single day to help people level up their life, their love, their health, and their wealth. So you can just search Next Level University and you'll find us. At the end of the, at the, end of the day, Terrain, I'm just a, a human who wants to impact other humans. And, you know, I had my own rock bottom moments. I had my own rock bottom basement moments. But those are the things that really taught me how to be who I am today. And I think that self-improvement is something that has impacted me in so many positive ways. 
and I'm trying to help people understand why they are the way they are today. Why you are the way you are today is not what you did yesterday, most likely. It's most likely to what we were just speaking of, maybe the way you were raised, maybe the household you were brought up in, the energy, the toxicity. So I'm really trying to help people become aware of that and then use that awareness as power. I'm one person that I found that in my life, I learned a lot more from falling down than I ever did from getting back up and walking. Yes. Um, it took me a long time to understand that to run, you have to walk. And to walk, you have to fall. Instead of me looking at everyone else and saying that, hey, you're making a million dollars from doing this. Me, 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 me. I want to get into that as well. Um, that's what started my journey, just understanding that my race is different than Kevin's race and Kevin's race is different than our listeners today. So if someone wanted to understand what got you to where you were, let's start at the beginning. What was the motivation to start this and to continue forward? Yeah, I I had graduated high school, realized I didn't want to go to college, and then I just did a bunch of odd jobs, right? I, I was a forklift operator. I cleaned bathrooms in a hospital. I was on-call firefighter for a short time, personal trainer. I did many, many, many different things. And I ended up getting this very unique job opportunity in an industry called weatherization. So all that means is my company would go into large state-owned buildings, usually schools or government-owned buildings, depending. And it was our job to make them those buildings more energy efficient. And I went from making like $15 an hour at one of my jobs to getting paid $120 an hour at this job. And I was thinking to myself, this is it. This is amazing. This is the best thing ever. This is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I ended up making $100,000 a couple of years later. And when I got to the end of that year, I expected to feel drastically different. When I opened that final pay stub, I thought I was going to feel confident. I thought I was going to feel certain. I thought I was going to feel secure. I didn't feel any of those things. So I realized that for most of my life, and especially that year, I had lived unconsciously. I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. I was just kind of winging it, hoping for the best. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So shortly thereafter, I was interviewed on a YouTube channel about health and fitness and mindset. After that interview ended, I said, imagine if you could do that for a living. And one of my friends said, you can. I mean, there's people out there that do it. So I started a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast shortly thereafter. And I was just having conversations much like you and I are having deep thoughts, deep feelings, deep emotions. What are your dreams? What are your goals? If you could do anything in the world, what would it be? Just, I love those conversations. But at that point, that was not paying the bills. So I was still doing this job and something shifted for me, Terrain, where when I made the money and realized I was not willing to do what I did to make that money again, because that money did not bring me what I thought it would, I fell out of love with my job as I fell in love with podcasting. So it ended up getting to the end of that year. I was podcasting on the side. I'm working full time. I'm traveling all over the place for work. And I ended up having a really, a really tough day, a really tough morning where I was sitting on the edge of a hotel bed contemplating suicide because I was just so out of alignment. I was so miserable. I was depressed. I was anxious. I felt stuck. I was afraid to start over. And then I ended up leaving that job three or four months later and going all in on, on what we're doing today. And honestly, the reason I started, the reason I continued doing it, and this was our conversation behind the scenes, it's not about the money. It's about the impact. Right. When people reach out and say, hey, 
this episode makes me think differently or because of you, I left a toxic relationship. That's what it's all about. There's no amount of money that can replicate that feeling. Obviously, money is great. It's necessary. But I think the fulfillment that I get from this is also way more necessary than I ever I ever really understood. And I will never, ever, ever stop this, no matter how hard it gets. You know, it's this is the mission. This is the goal. And this is what we're playing for. That's a conversation I wish more and more people have, especially those who are creatives, mm. right? Um, I work in a, in a corporate job and very similar to you, I was at a point where I wanted to make enough money because I thought money equaled this. And then when I reached that money, I was like, okay, I don't have that objective. I can't unlock that secret passcode for those who are video gamers, right? I just couldn't make it. And then I said, what did I say? And probably you said this, let's make more money. So I started to make more and more money. And then I realized the more money I made, the less my passion was fulfilled. So it was going the other way because I was hitting a point in my life where I said, where life was telling me terrain, this is not what you want to do. It keeps all of this going, but it's not going to continue to keep you going. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think that's where we fall into a situation where like you, you thought about suicide because some people would actually take that step and they're not here with us anymore. When you look back, were you surprised that it reached that point or was it something that you thought you had to go through to achieve what you're achieving today? It's interesting because that wasn't the first time I had had suicidal ideations. I'd actually already been to therapy multiple times and I assumed the more quote unquote successful I got, the easier life would get. I assumed the more money I made, the more problems would go away. There's a song, more money, more problems. I don't know. They, they might've been onto something. I don't know. But no, I, I think for me, it's, yeah, I assumed the money would make all that go away. And in fact, it somehow made it worse, not because money is bad. And this is an interesting conversation I like to have. You will hear people say that money, money can't buy happiness. I disagree. I think money can buy momentary bouts of happiness. Money cannot buy fulfillment. And here's the hard thing. When you look on somebody's social media page and you see them driving a Lamborghini, pulling up to a mansion, having a pool, whatever it is, those things can make you momentarily happy, right? Going into a pool after a long day probably feels really good. But there's a difference between happiness and fulfillment. Fulfillment, if you want to be fulfilled, you must grow and you must contribute. If you want to be happy, you don't necessarily have to. Happiness is a dopamine spike. Fulfillment is you doing something that you feel you should be doing, usually to the betterment of others. And I think when I started to understand that, it started to make sense. And then I had to rebuild my relationship with money because here I am thinking, well, I made the most money ever and I was the most miserable I'd ever been. Was that money's fault or was that the way I was operating with the money? So yeah, it it's... Something that I think, I don't want to say it had to happen, but I'm grateful it happened now because it's in the rearview mirror. And I think it just allows me to understand at a deeper level what a lot of us are going through. I can, I understand at a deep level. If you really, really hate, loathe your job, I understand what it's like to not want to go back. I understand what it's like to potentially imagine that job taking your life. So I think that just helps me help more people at the end of the day. One example I can give in regards to what you said is that, as we discussed earlier today, I went to Vegas and I came back. Money allowed me 
to go to Vegas, mm. you know, and you get happy when you purchase that ticket and things of that nature. But once, after, once you're done packing, once you purchase a ticket, that dopamine hit is gone. Yeah. But what fulfilled me was seeing friends, seeing people, meeting people. And you can take that experience and stretch it along your entire life. And that's something that I want to sh- express with people. And I, I'm glad you pointed it out is that money isn't as bad as people says it is because it unlocks the door to many things. It can let you take, um, your wife or your husband on a date it can un- take your family on vacation. It can get you a nice car and nice house. It's what you do with it. If you go to best example I can give is it's like you're dating that, that girl that you don't know that, you know, is not good for you. We've all been there, right? Mm-hmm. This toxic girl. That's not there for you. When you see her, you feel great because she's good looking. She's sexy. She's all these other things. Right. But you know, you're not fulfilled with her. You have to find your fulfillment. Do you feel that you found yours, Kevin? doing what you're doing definitely yeah definitely the the simplest answer is yes and a good representation is i would do this for free if i had to i think that's a really good understanding in the beginning i did this for free and it was like i love this so much this fills my cup so much that i want to find a way to to make this work so uh, this is my kind of my example for this i think many people have their peas in the wrong order They find something that is profitable and then they try to convince themselves that they're passionate about it. Like, oh yeah, you know, I really love this job. Why do you love it? Well, I make, you know, I make six figures a year and okay. No, why do you really love it though? Is that all? Oh, okay. Interesting. Where there's a lot of people who, and this, I like analogies. I'm a visual person. A lot of people jump into a pool and they're saying, okay, I need to stay in this pool for the next 25 years so I can get to retirement. Or I need to stay in this pool because the longer I stay in this pool, the more money I'm ultimately going to make. And then eventually they say, okay, cool. I'm done. I can get out of the pool. When you find something you love, you figure out how to swim. And then you figure out how to build a house in that pool. And you figure out how to breathe underwater. And you figure out everything. You don't ever want to leave the pool. You want to figure out how to exist in the pool. I think that's what finding your purpose and living a life with fulfillment is you find something that you're super passionate about and then you find a way to make it profitable because you want to do it forever. And that becomes the mechanism for you to do it forever. So yes, I am the most fulfilled I have ever been. I am also the happiest I've ever been, but my life is also the most challenging it's ever been. And I think that's an important distinction because I think when we think of quote unquote success, we think of easy and I might be the most successful I've I've ever been, but life is also the most challenging. It's good aligned challenges, but my life has definitely not gotten easier on the day to day. There are some things I don't have to do that I used to, sure, right? But I always like to put that out there because I don't I don't ever want somebody to see it and say, oh, when I get to X level, everything gets easy. I don't think it's ever going to be easy, honestly. So Kevin, take us through that journey. How long have you been doing what you're doing and what do you see the future of it? I started in 2017. So I've been podcasting, speaking, coaching pretty much since 2017. Uh, What do I see for the future? It's interesting. I'm realizing now more than ever that I think one thing humans are missing is community. So I'm really expecting us to continue doing what we do, but bring more of a community aspect into it where 
think of it this way, Terrain, you're a podcaster. You have no idea who's listening to the podcast unless they come to something that you put on. Nobody else knows who's listening unless they meet somebody who's listening at something you put on. So I think it's our job to create a community where our family, I, I'm sure you you feel like your listener base is your family, where our family can meet. And I think that's the next thing for us is how do we how do we solve one of the biggest problems that so many growth-minded people have? Finding a aligned community where you actually feel like you can be yourself. That. And where you're rewarded for being yourself. That's what's next for us, for sure. That's a wonderful point because I know sometimes we may think that it's going to be something that, okay, I'm going to invest a year, invest a couple thousand dollars, and I'm going to be rich. <laughs> Whereas you're giving them saying that I started this 2017, ladies and gentlemen, I had to bust my butt every single day. It wasn't um, rose petals and fairy dust. There's sometimes those dark, sometimes there's light, sometimes I struggle, sometimes I cry, sometimes I'm thinking, is this really for me? And I want to highlight that for everyone listening, because you can get there to Kevin's point. It's about your passion. If you love it, you should be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I want to do this for free. But I still have to make sure the lights are on. But you want that type of passion, right? You want to make sure, as you said, your P's are in the right order. Have you been able to meet someone that you that has listened to your podcast, listened to your show, listened to your mentoring advice? And they totally blew you away by their experience. Yeah. One of my favorite stories ever of all time. I tell this on stage. This is just the thing. This is the thing that encapsulates everything we do. This was back in the Snapchat days when I was still using Snapchat. I don't use it anymore, but somebody reached out to me. Her name's Amy. And she said, Hey, Kev, I'm listen. I listen to the podcast. I love the podcast. I love what you and Alan are doing. Alan's my co-host and my business partner. And she said, I'm I'm going to school and I'm really struggling to start conversations with people. I'm so afraid to get rejected, to say the wrong thing, to look stupid. I don't know what to do. And I was like, okay, well, where do you live? And she said, I live in Massachusetts. And I was like, all right, I live in New Hampshire. This is what we're going to do. You and I are going to go to the mall and we're going to approach people. And it's going to be weird. It's going to be uncomfortable, but this is going to be the best thing ever. I didn't want to do this either terrain. I was terrified, but here I am. My identity now is I help people. I'm going to do what it takes. So I meet Amy at the mall. We hug it out. I say, do not meet strangers from the internet in person anymore. That's a terrible idea. Luckily, it was me. We're going to be good, but maybe for the future, we change that. So we go to the mall and we walk in, we go to Starbucks and I get a coffee because I need a little liquid caffeine courage. So then from there, we go up to this store that sells these giant beanbag chairs. And I said, Amy, I want you to walk up to the front desk and ask him how much this costs. And she's like, no, no, no it's going to be so weird. I said, no, no, no. They're, they're probably bored. This is what they get paid to do. They want to have conversations. So she goes and has this conversation. How much does this cost? And the conversation went great. We go to another store. She does it again. Another store. She does it again. One more store. She does it again. We go down to the food court. Okay, I want you to ask them how much chicken comes with this. Is it rice, black beans, brown beans? Just start conversations. Cool. She starts having conversations on the escalator. Cool. We're getting ready to, to leave that day. And her fear is judgment. She is afraid of being judged and rejected by others. We're getting ready to walk out of the mall. And there's this little stand that has these mechanical zoo animals with wheels. You can like rent them and ride them around the mall. Interesting business model. Shout out to whoever came up with that. 
And she said, if we were really brave and we were really not afraid of these fears, we would rent those and ride those around the mall. So I have a video of Amy and I on my phone driving these things around the mall, quite literally trying to get judged by people. After that, Amy went back to school, even though she didn't think she was smart enough. She went back to college. She got a 3.9 GPA, moved from a small town in Rhode Island to Nashville, Tennessee, got her dream job and is now on the team. She works with us every single day. So that I think that's just a really good example of one, the power of asking for help and vulnerability Two, the power of borrowing somebody else's belief. I was terrified to start conversations that day too, but I believed a little bit more than Amy did just enough to get us started. And then number three, what a, a positive community can do, right? She's been, she's been in the community for the last five years. And one of the reasons she is where she is, it's not something I said or something I did. It's just being around positive people helps you be more positive and and believe in yourself more. So I cannot think of a better example than that, Terrain. That's a beautiful story because you were there for someone that needed that, right? Like sometimes we try to be there for ourselves, but we just don't have the courage. We don't have the strength. And that story is so wonderful because it goes back to the point you established about building that community. Like how important is it for you to not only look at your listeners and those you work with as your family, but know that that family extends across the globe? <laughs> it's very humbling. It's a very humbling feeling when you see, you know, X amount of downloads in Ghana or China or Japan. It's, it's weird. It's, it's definitely a very humbling feeling knowing people are listening from all over. But I think the other interesting thing is at the end of the day, it's it's our responsibility to make sure we're taking care of the audience. That's I I have a I hold that very close to me. It's my responsibility. Uh, it's my job. That's what I signed up for. Um, I much like you, I've heard a lot of stories from our listeners of turmoil and struggle and abuse and all of these things. And it's like that just keeps me trying to be the the best human I can be and try to get a little bit better and a little bit more inclusive and a little bit more supportive and a little bit more patient and a little bit more empathetic. I'm trying to understand the most I can so I can really help people at the deepest level. So I think that coming into it from a perspective of we have a global community, I have to learn a lot about different places. I'm a, I live in a small, you know, I'm, I grew up in a small town. I don't know much about the world. So I get to understand the world at a deeper level. So it's good because it's a really unique challenge for me. It's very, very humbling, but it also suggests that we're making the progress that we desire. So it's a win, win, win. How do you feel about some of those stories that you've heard? Because I know for me, I was surprised that there's so many people who are going through what they're going through and you realize that, hey, your your struggles aren't unique to you. There's thousands, if not millions of people going through something similar. It uh, it makes me sad. It makes me sad. The majority of our listeners are female. And many of the listeners I've spoken to are in relationships with men. And many of them have been physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually abused. More, almost all of them. It's like, it's a, it, it's very frustrating. It's very, I don't want to use the word enraging, but it makes me very, very angry that people are taking advantage of other people. I listened to one of your most recent episodes and that was, that was kind of the, the theme and the story that the young lady was speaking about. And it's like, that makes me so angry, but it also motivates me to be met, to be a better man. 
And it just, I don't know. It makes me wonder where we're going wrong, you know? And, and th here's the other thing too. I grew up in a broken home and I had trauma and I had a lot of stuff. Like how far off was I from being somebody like that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if I took a couple different turns, I would have been on the, the bad side of one of those stories. I don't know. So as you can tell, I'm trying to figure out where it all lands. I, I don't, I want to have empathy that the people who are doing bad things also had bad things done to them or, you know, they had toxic things happen to them, but I had toxic things happen to me and I'm trying to make sure that doesn't happen. You know, you said it earlier, you're trying to break the generational curse. You're trying to break it. It ends here. It ends here. It ends here. So more than anything, it hurts me. It makes me sad, but it also inspires me and motivates me to be better. I was surprised myself because I work with women who are at risk and many of the women I work with, it's a, it's a charity. They have gone through that some type of abuse or they're near poverty and things of that nature. And you begin to realize that a lot of people are suffering more so than I've ever suffered. And we've touched on it. Um, we both come from broken homes and I look back as, as well. And I think to myself, what must happen to someone for them to become that way? Is it that maybe you and I were spared one or two wrong turns from being that way? Or is it that we're always that type of person that we would, no matter what, not turn out that way? Have you had that type of thought process as well? Yeah, I like to think that, I don't know, I think it's just a level of empathy. I When, when you're hurting, you understand what that hurt feels like. And I think some of us would rather pass that hurt on to somebody else than deal with it ourselves. You know, I think that's part of it. I think everybody has different traumas and triggers. I think everybody has different experiences. I think everybody has a different level of belief in themselves, right? You seem like an individual has a fairly high level of self-belief. I think that would be very beneficial to you. Obviously, you turned your pains into potential where somebody who doesn't have a, a high level of self-belief might not. So I think there are so many intricacies that come into it as human to human interaction and just human to human relationships and, and experientially. It's very hard for me to put my finger on it, but I think it's some people make, they take a wrong turn and then they don't admit it's a wrong turn. So rather than trying to take a right turn, they just keep going where they're going. I think that's probably it. I mean, every time I've ever done something out of alignment, I've noticed pretty quickly and then I've given myself pain pretty quickly. And I think for me, that's kind of like you put your hand on a hot stove, you realize the hot stove is hot. You don't do that again. Like that's not, I don't want to do that. So I think it's just not everybody has a, a deep understanding of what alignment is for them and what does it feel like when they're out of alignment. And if you don't give yourself pain when you're out of alignment, your behavior is not necessarily going to change because of that. It goes back to that saying that broken people break things and they continue mm -hmm. to break people. And your hot stove analogy is on point because you have someone that will touch the stove and they realize this is hot, there's danger. I'm not going to do that. Where some other people may keep their hand on the stove yeah. and say, hey, is someone going to turn off the stove? <laughs> yeah. Because it's easier sometimes to not do the work when it comes to ourselves because if I'm, if I have a situation, let's say I offended you, I can say one of two things, right? I can say that, well, what did I do to cause that? I can gain understanding. Hey, Kevin, I've said something that upset you. 
can you let me know what that is so I'm better prepared next time to not do it? Someone else may say, it's Kevin's feeling. It's not my issue. It's a you problem. Mm. So I think sometimes if we can just figure out and say, hey, I want to be as aligned as possible and say, this is what I want out of my life. I want to make sure the people around me are as happy being around me as I am being around them. And that's a perfect segue to those lovely pictures I see behind you. Do you want to give some context to those? There's video and audio, so don't worry, guys, you can see these lovely pictures as well. So go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, that is uh, myself and my wonderful wife. She has been a such an important part of this journey. She paid rent when I couldn't. She bought food when I couldn't. She picked me up when I didn't think I could get up. She believed in me long before I did. So I'm very blessed as an entrepreneur you know, it's important to find somebody who understands why you're doing what you're doing and why the long nights are long and why there's no money coming in, even when you're working more than you've ever have. So I'm very blessed to have a, a beautiful, supportive human in my corner who makes me a better man. That's I'm grateful for many things about my wife, but she is somebody who has just made me a, a very, very character driven man um, based on her experiences and what she does in the world. So I'm very, very blessed you you heard this a million times before. I don't believe in the phrasing behind every successful man is a, a, a person. It's it's next to. There's there's no behind. My wife is is next to me. She might not be in the limelight, but that does not mean she's not putting in the hard work to help me get where I am today.